Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Shalom, but we shall know. I'll tell it by now. 
Jam in the AM, Arye Kunstler, Up Like a Lion. I got to thank Avrami. He's up like a lion. I know for him it's the afternoon, but still, he's on top of things like you wouldn't believe. And I thank him very, very much all these years of making sure that the network uh, runs smoothly. And again, this morning, an example of that. Thank you, uh, Avrami. Anybody who doesn't get uh, the newsletter that comes from Avrami every week or the thread that comes from Avrami every day, feel free to email him, AF at nachomsegel.com, af at nachomsegel.com. You can actually email him with any issue. He'll take care of it. 
It's Wednesday on this 12th of August, the 22nd of Anachimov. Hello, hello. The year 5780, Tufshin Pei. <laughs> Aryeh Kunstler, up like a lion. Eitan Freilach had both Bowie Kala and Imesh Gachech. He heard Miani, that's brand new from Shlomo Katz. Joey Newcomb's to be a Yid. Ari Goldwag, brand new with Yeshli Akol. Ein Kadosh, done by the Nochi Krohn Band. And of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 78 degrees, 80% humidity. Winds are southwest at 6 miles per hour. Isolated thunderstorms today with a high of 88. This should be the last oppressive day for a while in terms of weather. Hot, humid, and all that. Scattered thunderstorms tonight with a low of 74. And um, tomorrow, Thursday, scattered thunderstorms, a high of 84 degrees. We're at 80 in Yerushalayim. Uh, up in Guilford, New York, where Camp Missora normally is held, 68 degrees. In Milford, Pennsylvania, where Camp Missora is for this summer, 70 degrees. Thank you to the governor of Pennsylvania. No thanks to the governor of uh, New uh, New York. And uh, here in uh, New York City, 78 degrees on a Wednesday morning at JM in the AM. Well, we were at a wonderful event last night, and I want to take this opportunity to wish a very special Mazel Tov to the Mursky and Lashinsky families. Uh, Adina Mursky and Yaakov Lashinsky are engaged, a recently engaged couple. We were at the uh, Vart, the celebration, uh, the um, essentially the engagement party, if you will, uh, last night out in Queens. And um, to Adina Mursky and Yaakov Lashinsky and to Avi and to Hanna Mursky and, of course, to our amazing friends, Frida and Yogi Lashinsky, a major mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, many people use the word friends um, pretty loosely, right? Especially these days, <laughs> you know, social media and all that. Uh, Frida and Yogi are true friends in the truest sense of the word. So to be there to celebrate with them and to uh, wish a mazel tov to Adina and Yaakov, and everybody uh, was just wonderful. So Mazal Tov to the Mursky and Lashinsky families. And um, for us and the Lashinskys who go way back, may we share many smachot together. We have simchas coming up. They obviously have simchas coming up. And we hope and pray in this uh, different world of ours that we have an opportunity to celebrate together. Please, God, Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Wednesday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up today, by the way. We finally are going to have this uh, conversation with um, Steve Adelsberg. I think it's actually going to happen. If you're a if you're a sports fan who pays careful attention to Jewish sports uh, anecdotes or Jewish sports stories from the last many decades, you'll I think you'll find this fascinating. He actually I, I thought I knew everything when it came to uh, you know different Jewish sports episodes and incidents, uh, and then we had that long conversation with Steve a couple of weeks ago, and anybody who was tuned in, who's into Jews and sports, was totally fascinated by it. Totally fascinated. Um, and now, <laughs> many of us, including me, have been, um, let's see, irritated, that would be a good word, irritated by the platform that's been given, literally on the field and on the court, to the major sports to make political statements. Steve Adelsberg says to me, and he didn't really say this, but I'm putting the words in his mouth so you get the story, and this is how we'll start later on in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, he says to me, wait, Nahum, you know, before you condemn those who are utilizing the sports uh, field 
for political statements, you have to remember an episode that happened back in the 1970s. And then you may not be so against it. So we'll talk about that coming up, hopefully. <laughs> it should actually work out today in the 8 o'clock hour. Also, Yossi Zablocki is going to join us. He has announced. Where's my announcement? Here it is. He has announced that he's uh, he's serious about opening up the Hudson Valley Resort for Shabbos and midweek up in the Catskills, a family fun week beginning the 26th of August through Labor Day. Uh, Russia Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkis. He's serious about opening up and adhering to the safety guidelines and doing everything according to the way the government says he can up at the Hudson Valley Resort in the Catskills. Information, destinations613.com, destinations613.com. We'll speak to him in the 7 o'clock hour this morning here at JM in the AM. All right, you getting the idea? We are a set with plenty of great music and more. It's Wednesday. You're listening to JM in the AM. אני עוצר עכשיו לחשוב כמה פעמים אמרתי תודה בחסדך אתה ליבית אותי גם כשהכל היה חשוך ונורא לא התייאשתי וידעתי שיש לי תמיד על מי לסמוך והתפללתי, האמנתי שגם אם אצולות אותי תמשוך אין עוד מלבדו, אין עוד מלבדו אין עוד מלבדו בעולם הגולו אין עוד מלבדו, אין עוד מלבדו אין עוד מלבדו בעולם הגולו אין עוד מלבדו
Sure. Go and search the whole wide world and bring back to my door the thing that is most valuable, the thing I cherish most. Yes, I'll let you back in heaven, then said the Lord of hosts. The angel flew the whole wide world till a twinkle. Caught his eye. It came from a golden box with diamonds piled high. He flew the box to heaven, and the gate man said to him, Yes, it certainly is a treasure, but Hashem won't let you in. The angel flew the world again, and this time to a war. He saw an act of bravery like none he'd seen before. A soldier jumped upon a bomb to save the lives of friends. And with the first drop of the soldier's blood, the angel flew again. The keeper of the gate told him, were it up to me, I'd let you in right now with that drop of blood I see. But the Lord of hosts has told me that I cannot let you in until the utmost precious cherished thing is brought back here to him. The angel flew the world again till he saw a sinner's face. It was covered by a talus, which was hiding his disgrace. And from a deep felt sense of shame, something started to appear. And the angel flew with all his might, and he grabbed that precious tear. The gates of heaven opened up, and light filled up the sky. The Holy One himself took the teardrop and he cried. My house is always open, says the mighty Lord of hosts. And a teardrop of repentance is the thing I cherish most. Hashem once made an angel and gave him quite a chore. Go and search the whole wide world and bring back to my door The thing that is most valuable, the thing I cherish most Yes, I'll let you back in heaven then I'll let you back in heaven then Yes, I'll let you back in heaven then Said the Lord of
אני רוצה להזמין אל הבמה את ברוך לוין! את אחינו! איפה מחיאות כפיים שלכם? את חיים ישראל! איפה חיים ישראל? וכמובן את החזן העולמי, הפברוטי היהודי, איצ'מאייר הנדקורד! ויחד איתכם, שוב אל הבמה, יעקב סוויקי!
There we go. J.M. in the A.M. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And, of course, anybody beloved NSN app. News from Israel next. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from J.M. in the A.M. גליצל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, כאן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. עימות חריף במליאה, הכנסת דחתה לפני זמן קצר את הצעת החוק שמטרתה למנוע מנאשם בפלילים להרכיב ממשלה. ראש הממשלה נתניהו תקף את לפיד ואמר, זו תפירת חוקים. יושב ראש האופוזיציה לפיד השיב לנתניהו, אתה עסוק בענייניך המשפטיים. יש מי שרוצים לעבור מתפירת תיקים לתפירת חוקים. יאיר לפיד. כתבנו יניר קוזין מזכיר שמוקדם יותר הכנסת אישרה בקריאה טרומית את הצעת החוק לדחיית מועד הגשת תקציב המדינה בשלושה חודשים. שר הביטחון וראש הממשלה החליפי בני גנץ עבר בהצלחה את הניתוח בגבו שביצע בבית החולים שיבא תל השומר. הדוקטור אלון פרידלנדר, המנתח הראשי, אמר כי הניתוח התבצע כמתוכנן ושר הביטחון נמצא כעת בחדר ההתאוששות. לדבריו הוא צפוי לחזור לתפקוד מלא במהרה. ידיעה שמסרה כתבתנו נוגה זק. התפרצות הקורונה, אתמול אובחנו 1,785 נדבקים חדשים, מספר החולים קשה, עומד על 379, מתוכם 109 מונשמים, מספר המתים מפרוץ המגפה עומד על 633. בתוך כך ממונה הקורונה, פרופסור רוני גמזו, אמר בצהריים כי התחלואה בירושלים גבוהה מאוד, ובכל מדינה בעולם היא הייתה מובילה לסגר. מדווח כתבנו בבירה יובל שגב. גמזו אמר בביקורו בירושלים כי על אף המאמצים הרבים של העירייה להוריד את מספר החולים, הנתונים בעיר עדיין חריגים. בפגישה הוצגו אחוזי תחלואה גבוהים בשכונות מזרח העיר, ובתגובה הבטיח גמזו להוסיף תקציבים לבתי החולים הערביים בבירה, כדי להפחית בנוסף את העומס על בתי החולים במערב העיר. הסתדרות האמורים הכריזה על שלושה סכסוכי עבודה ובעוד שבועיים היא תוכל להודיע על שביתה בפתיחת שנת הלימודים. מדווח כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש. בהסתדרות המורים מלינים על כך שאין פתרונות והנחיות למורים וגננות שנמצאים בקבוצת סיכון. כמו כן לטענתם, הנוסחה שמחשבת את ימי המחלה של המורים פוגעת בהם, וגם תנאי הפנסיה של חלק מהמורים אינם מוסדרים כבר תקופה ארוכה. בעוד 14 ימים מהיום יפה בן דוד תוכל להודיע על שביתה ב-1 בספטמבר. ומזג האוויר גם מחר, עלייה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. עכשיו בגלי צה"ל, אברי גלעד עם השיח.
The Yeshiva Boys from the Yeshiva Boys Choir opening up the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Wednesday morning, JM in the AM. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us, everybody. 12th of August, 22nd of Menachemov, 78 degrees, isolated thunderstorms and a high of 88. Just got the brand new booklet overnight from uh, Jonathan Greenstein from the Cedarhurst Gallery. They have a rare and historical Jewish ritual objects and art auction coming up on Sunday, September the 13th. It includes a whole bunch of amazing stuff, some great agams, uh, some wonderful JNF stucco boxes. I mean, it's unbelievable. And that JNF stucco box <laughs> that, you know, sat in everybody's home for decades, you know, is now worth about 1500 bucks. It's unbelievable. But on page 135 and one, oh, and actually it's not page, it's a lot number, I guess, 135 and 136, you have a large oil painting of Cantor Yossela Rosenblatt, and 136 is a collection of 25 original photographs of Cantor Rosenblatt, newspaper clippings, and other family photos. Pretty cool. whole thing is pretty cool. Uh, collection includes various newspaper clippings from the New York Times and other papers with stories about Cantor Rosenblatt, as well as a letter of admiration from David Friedman, an executive at Kimball Pianos in Chicago. Very cool. The whole thing is nice. Uh, information about it. If you want to see the, uh, if you want to see the catalog, etc. It's September the thirteenth. The uh, auction. Um, you can go to uh, J Greenstein. That's letter J. Letter J Greenstein dot com. Letter J Greenstein dot com for information. Beautiful stuff. I'll tell you. As usual, and they have a um, they have the the traditional blue box for Karen Kayemet, traditional blue box for JNF, but item number five looks like a different color. And as it says here, it's got a rare opening on the lid. Most of the openings were on the bottom of the stucco box. This one has uh, the opening on the lid, so it's a little bit of a different JNF. KKL uh, stuck a box. Anyway, jgreenstein.com for information. Ten minutes after 7 o'clock, JM in the AM. Good morning. The uh, vice president of the United States at one time, uh, Joe Biden, is now the uh, Democratic nominee. He's chosen uh, Kamala Harris, senator from California, as his running mate. And we'll discuss all of this with Malcolm Holmline this coming Friday. Join us for the weekly update Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern time right here at JM in the AM. Should be an interesting conversation, both uh, regarding what's going on here and what's going on in other places on this globe, to say the least. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, this is the Al-Kolela that was done by Kululam, <coughs> excuse me, by Kululam in Israel uh, back in mid-2018 during their Yom Atzmut 70th anniversary our 70th birthday of Israel celebration. Here it is for you at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. It's uh, Simcha Liner with Shalom. 
here at JM in the AM. Before that, Yossi Green's Shades of Dance. You heard Kululam with Alcohol Ayla. And that not only was the president of Israel in the uh, in the audience of tens of thousands who were there that night when they sang Alcohol Ayla, uh, but uh, Shlomi Shabbat did the lead singing for it. It was just remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Um, what an incredible gathering. You know, you know what it was like? Or you know, I, I rather, rather than what it was like, you know what it feels like? It feels like everybody in that room was happy to be citizens and residents of the state of Israel. With all the problems, all the difficulties, everyone's personal struggles, etc. That's how it seemed. It seemed everybody was prideful and happy uh, to be there and to sing about basically life in Israel. That's what Al-Khalil is about, right? Life in Israel, the bitter, the sweet. All the details, the crying, the laughing. And, um, yeah, that's what we need a lot more of, both there and here. People who are just happy to be uh, part of uh, of the country where they live. And what's, what's happening here in the U.S. is that those who appreciated, forget about those who've lived our entire lives here and hopefully enjoy it and are happy, Many of them, of course, are not. But those who've appreciated, who've been, you know, living in other countries for years and came here and made a completely new life for themselves, many of them are now taking on this role of telling us how horrible this country is, and that's just so unbelievable to believe. Just incredible. Jam the Wednesday. By the way, another comment. Um, it is remarkable, remarkable to me, absolutely remarkable, that I go to certain events with people from our community. Yeah, there are events going on, believe it or not. And nobody is adhering to social distancing or masks. And I mean nobody. And even if you're you know, in an outdoor environment, social distancing is, is a requirement. Uh, I mean, if you want to be safe, if you want to be safe and not get other people infected, if you don't want to get infected, you know, keep your distance. And it is amazing to me how many people in the community refuse to adhere to even that. It's really remarkable. It takes me back to the original quote that I've been using since April. Ignorance and arrogance is a lethal combination. And boy, has COVID-19 proven that in our community. JM in the AM. We'll get to Rabbi Goldwasser in a minute. Yes, he's a block. He's going to join us. We'll talk about how he's adhering to the strict guidelines where he is in the Hudson Valley Resort and what he has planned for the community. We'll talk about that coming up here at JM in the AM. Uh, I mentioned that uh, there's now a vice presidential nominee. We'll discuss more of that Friday with Malcolm Honline during our weekly update. Make sure to join us. Tomorrow is Thursday, which means big gift day here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. You have an opportunity to win tomorrow. Make sure to be tuned in tomorrow, 8 a.m. and 12 noon. All courtesy of our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. Go to casinofarms.com and Aaron's West Orange. Go to aaronswestorange.com who are sponsoring our contest in the month of August, and we thank them very, very much. <coughs> Check out their latest circulars and enjoy an amazing shopping experience. Irons West Orange in New Jersey is reopened now after the storm, back at full strength. Irons Casino Farms. Again, go to casinofarms.com. They've got their weekly circular out with a lot of amazing bargains. Check it out 
on the website. You'll be glad you did. If you're anywhere near Aaron's, trust me, it is a great shopping experience. I would know I've been there about. <laughs> you don't even want to know how many times I've been there. <laughs> really, the only place I shop. It's very funny. Very, very rarely am I anywhere else, which is funny. Uh, I've actually, yeah, I've actually picked up my own supermarket, my own supermarket routine. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, and their hot dogs are now available at every Trader Joe's nationwide. Try A&H today and enjoy a 10% discount at kosherdogs.net with promo code RADIO. Enjoy, and thanks to A&H. By the way, tomorrow on this program, member of the New York State Assembly, one-time candidate for mayor of the city of New York, and someone who's very familiar to those in the 64th district, uh, 64th Assembly District in New York, including Staten Island, uh, Nicole Maliotakis. Nicole Maliotakis calling in tomorrow morning about 7.15. Complicated morning tomorrow here on this end because tonight is my mother's yard site. So I will be late. Avrami's going to be starting JM in the AM, please God, at about 6 a.m., as is the case, as is the uh, custom. And uh, I will be in at some point during the 6 o'clock hour after school. And then at 7.15, Nicole Maliotakis is going to join us here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, my mother, whose yard site is tonight, fifth yard site, believe it or not. I know it's hard to believe. Esther Basar Biosev Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in Medrash Bracious Rabba. Yesh Shuholech Eitzel Zivugo. There are some people that need to seek out and go to find the matrimonial match. Yesh Shezivugo Boetzlo. And there are some people who their Zivu comes straight to them. Yitzchok Zivugo Boetzlo. By Yitzchak, it was that his zivig, his shidduch, came straight to him. Like it says, Vayar vine gemalim boim. It says he saw that the camels were coming close to Eliezer. Yaakov, on the other hand, holach eitzel zivugo. He had to go out to seek his zivug, his match. As it says, Vayetze Yaakov, that Yaakov went out. The Rosh Yeshiva of the Chabina Yeshiva, Rebaruk Shemin Shneorson, said a very interesting idea concerning the difference. We know that Zivugim are from Shemayim, that every matrimonial match comes from heaven. Harboim Yom, 40 days before Yitzira Savlad, before the embryo is formed. Machrizim, they call out from Shemayim, Basploni Leploni, the daughter of so and so will marry so-and-so. So what is the difference if a person goes to their zivug or their zivug comes to them? Chazal tell us that Yitzchak Avinu, the fact that the shidduch came straight to him, it's interesting because the entire parsha is osek, is dealing with the life of Yitzchak Avinu. He is the one that Hashem helped. He is the one that he was being somewhat interrupted in his studies by Yishmuel. Hashem had that Yishmuel was sent out of his house. Yitzchok was the one that it says, Tochin Libom, that Yitzchok Avinu was the one that was able to have the direct Siata Dishmaya, or heavenly assistance, that all went well. 
Yitzchok Avinu. He was the one that did not have to go out of Eretz Yisrael. However, Yaakov Avinu was different. Yaakov Avinu had a lot of difficulties. He had a brother, Esav, from the youngest time, even inside of his mother. Esav wanted to go one place, and Yaakov Avinu wanted to go to the base Medrash. As they grew up, there was a stark contrast between Esav and Yaakov. Esav fought with Yaakov, and then Yaakov had to steal the Bechaira, the birthright, away from Esav, and it was against his nature because Yaakov was a person that was completely true. Titain Emes Yaakov. Later, Yaakov Avinu had to run. He was afraid for his life. Then Yaakov Avinu had to fight with the Sarah Shalesov. He fought with the angel the entire night. We see that it was difficult for him. So what is going on here? Why did he have to go out to seek the Shidduch? And by Yitzchok it came to him. What we learn is that Shabina Rosh Hashiva tells us, this is the way that a person should understand. If they have challenges in life, it was already that Yaakov Avinu has paved the way, has sought out a derech in which a person can overcome obstacles and challenges in life. Sometimes the shidduch comes right to an individual. It's easy, painless, seamless. And then sometimes it's the opposite. A person has to go through challenges. They go through one parsha and then they go to another parsha. It's not easy for them. At the end result, Bez Hashem, they should find what they're looking for. But regardless of what path a person is on, they should gain great strength from the Avos HaKtoshim, from the Imahos, from all of those that came before us, that they were able to travel down the path, whether it's the path that is the easy way or the path of challenge. And Bez Hashem, at the end, be able to achieve and accomplish all that they want in this earthly world. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
Dum dum dum, Did it I, 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 I
In the AM, they call it Simcha's Nigun from Avraham Willig here at um, JM in the AM. Nicole Maliatakis tomorrow on JM in the AM. New York State Assembly member in the 64th District, one-time candidate for mayor, you'll recall. She'll join us tomorrow here at JM in the AM. Well, if you if you remember, I, I assume it was sometime in February, just a few weeks before Pesach. Uh, yes, he's a block. He was in our studio, and he and I, both thought that we were going to be spending Pesach together. Uh, he was opening up the uh, Hudson Valley Resort uh, to singles and families to enjoy Pesach. And by the way, to his credit, he tried till the last minute to keep it open just so some people who would otherwise, and, and otherwise were, 
very lonely over Pesach, would have had a place to have gone, and he tried with the restrictions, regulations, etc. It just didn't work. Um, but now he's announced that Destinations, which is his company, Destinations has a plan for the remainder of the summer and for the Chagim, Yamim Narayim and Sukkis, uh, for the Chagim 2020. He's talking about Shabbosim and Midweek in the Catskills. He's talking about a family fun week, which begins uh, oh, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today starts a family fun week. Uh, he is pushing strict ad- adherence to safety guidelines. So everybody, not just those members of the community who say we've had it literally and figuratively, meaning in reference to COVID-19, and we've had it in terms of all the isolation, uh, but everybody would, would feel comfortable. And he is encouraging those who are having challenging situations, setting up a Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur minion for themselves, uh, or who obviously, as they would in other years, have a challenge with sukkahs because you don't have your own sukkah, etc. He's encouraging everybody to check out what he has to offer up at the Hudson Valley Resort. The phone number is 845-794-6000, He also has a website, destinations613.com, destinations613.com. Yossi Zablocki, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Um, I guess the first thing, in, 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 uh, in, you know, in, in uh, contrast to what we discussed before Pesach, and why, unfortunately, you had to close. And in contrast, what's been going up there, uh, going on there this summer, uh, because obviously you've had somewhat of a lockdown situation. That wouldn't be the completely accurate uh, description, but somewhat of a uh, of a situation because you reopened and rented out the place uh, to a whole large group. How will the strict safety guidelines work, in your opinion? I know it's hard to do this a month in advance, but how do you think they'll work around Rosh Hashanah time? Um, so, I mean, I, I really don't think it's that difficult to um, to enforce. We've been we've been sort of practicing it for the past uh, six weeks. We're we're officially opening up in, in two weeks from now for this plan that I have. Um, that's when the group that we have there leaves. Um, but basically, look, we have a large, large hotel. It's much larger than most other environments. In the lobby. We have uh, the enforcement down pat. We have somebody who's in charge in the lobby of making sure, patrolling, making sure that everybody's wearing their masks, um, making sure that the lobby is a safe environment. Everybody can do what they want in their own rooms. Um, but once you're in the lobby, you have to be wearing your mask. You know, it's sort of like walking into a ShopRite or a Walmart um, where everybody is is you know, keeping a certain distance from each other, and everybody's wearing a mask. It's not so difficult to enforce when you're in one large room and somebody's patrolling there. Um, uh, we call it a, a, a COVID ambassador. It's not really a, a patrol. Right. Um, so anybody, and, and again, I'm, I'm stressing this because you know, and as I go to inv- events, believe me, I see it and feel it, uh, you know, there are people who, for, for good reason, are being really careful and others, for whatever the reason, is not being so careful in the lobby area. And I'm assuming that also means in the synagogue and dining room, but we'll talk about that in a second, that won't be tolerated. In other words, your ambassadors will make sure that masks and social distancing are taking place. Correct. I mean, I, I'm well aware of the crowd that we get. I'm well aware that on Rosh Hashanah specifically, we'll we'll tend to get a more senior crowd um, they're they're more um, susceptible to to possible health concerns, right? Um, and and it needs to be taken seriously. Um, so while I understand that there's there there's group who you know plenty of people who have either already experienced the virus or 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 
think that it's passed through them or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying that they're that they're wrong on any level. You know, nobody really knows what's going on at the moment. But at the same time, the real goal has to be to protect the most vulnerable um, amongst us. That's still the, the message that everybody's getting. That's still where, where society is at, at least I believe society is at. Um, it better be. And, and, right. And, uh, and on Rosh Hashanah, um, there's no question that we, we tend to get a more senior crowd that I am specifically concerned about. All right. Now, um, tell me about the shul and dining room. Are, are they able to be enforced the way that you're planning on enforcing things in the lobby? Sure. So, you know, the shul, first of all, we have we have large, large spaces for, for davening. If we have to do two minyanim, we're able to do two minyanim. I'm not planning for a second minyan just yet. I do have enough balthilas coming that we'll be able to do two minyanim if we have to. But at the moment... I don't have to. I don't have to plan there until we're until we have enough people that it becomes a, a an issue. But going into a large theater, you know, a very large school environment um, that was, you know, built to be able to have 800 people once upon a time, right. and only have 200 people, 250 people in that environment, you're going to be able to sit three, you know, every every third seat. There really should be no issue um, in school. Um, there's no reason that forget about sitting every other seat. There's no reason that you can't be sitting every third seat right. um, during dominance. Yeah, I've, I, really I, I've, is- I've been in the room. It's really, really large. I mean, it's not a, if you want to take it seriously, it's really easy to take the regulations seriously in there. Right. It's it's look, the hotel was was constructed once upon a time to be a a much larger hotel than what I'm currently running. And so all the spaces that I have are built for a much larger crowd than I would even think about attracting. Now, when you, do, when you dreamt about opening up in the spring, you were talking about people literally eating in their rooms and having food delivered. What, what do you plan for, for the fun week, and what do you plan for Yontif? So again, so, so turning for t- turning to the dining room. By the way, same thing applies. I said to the to the shul, the dining rooms that we have. We have three ballrooms, and we also have two um, restaurant rooms besides for the ballrooms. So they could normally accommodate twelve hundred people. When when Barry Hochdorf used to do Pesach at the hotel, right. he had close to twelve hundred people um, at the Hudson Valley. So they were all dining twelve hundred people, and and. So, if, again, if I'm going to have 250 people dining in that size of space, the tables will be able to be spread out from each other. You know, everybody, every family obviously has their own, their own table. Should they, should they, you know, want to do that? If people want to be sitting together, they have that option um, if, they, if they know each other. But, um, but everybody, you know, can easily be um, spread out without any problem. Um, and, and obviously, you know, and obviously, waiters with masks, families, you know, eating together, you know, removing masks so they could eat. Obviously, it's only going to be them at the table. I mean, all these things. Not only will they be thought out. I mean, this, these are the types of preparations you make in the dining room in general, anyway. Right, and we've been, you know, you know, we, we've been learning over the past, you know, three, four. I've been studying the situation over the past three, four months, um, both when I was in Israel went to a hotel myself to see what they were doing as well as how things are being done at the hotel now. And, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of rules that you set forth, whether you're not, you know, the waiters are serving, waiters are wearing masks. If you're doing any type of buffet environment at all, um, the waiters have to distribute the food as opposed to you coming in and, and handling the, the, the various And I would assume that's with gloves and barriers also. And, right, and, that, and, that, and that's and that's with gloves, and people stay 
you know, separated from right. each other. Again, specifically on Rosh Hashanah, um, that's going to have to be adhered to because of the type of crowd that we get. All right, Yossi Zablocki is with us live via telephone, destinations613.com, destinations613.com. And, and and just to extend this for a second before, I want to go back to the fun week, but just a word about sukkahs. Obviously, the sukkah would operate the same way. I mean, you're talking about proper distance. I know the sukkah. It's really big. Uh, proper distance and the same type of uh, you know waiter service that you just described. 100%. The sukkah is a 60 by 100 foot space, something like that. It could be maybe 60 by 120. Um, it's a large, large space. We're going to be building it. Actually, I don't always build it the same size, but this year we will be building it as large as we possibly could. Um, I could I could even build it larger if I had to. Um, and, I would, and, and I would also assume if somebody doesn't want to eat in the sukkah for whatever reason, discomfort, etc., they could speak to and, and go into one of those large dining rooms, I would guess. Right. One of our ballrooms is right next to the sukkah, so yeah. it's very easy for people to come in. They can make a lace with sukkah in the you know in the sukkah and then go yeah. back into the into the dining room without without any problem. We have yeah. a lot of options. The real goal is to cater to the. To the community. I mean, I'll flag this for you. When I started the National Jewish Convention Center, which is what we've dubbed the events that I sort of host that are, you know, you know the, the large Jewish events that I host, um, it was to provide a place for people to be able to go away at any given time, a kosher environment. I was the only person that was running a Yom Kippur program. I've been running a Yom Kippur program since I took over for the past um I uh, pictures back then uh, for the past 12 years. I can tell you that we never get a crowd, Yom Kippur. We never make any money, Yom Kippur. Um, we lose money year in, year out, Yom Kippur. I run it because sometimes people need a place to go, whether you can't walk to shul, whether you need to be someplace closer to your shul. We are constantly running a Yom Kippur program. This year, no, no exception to that. There's people, there are people who, for both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and possibly Sukkot, who are just stuck. They're stuck like they were on Pesach. They can't go to their shul. It's not opening. They don't feel comfortable in their shul because it's small. Whatever the case may be, it's too far away. Plenty of reasons. And there needs to be a place where somebody can basically feel comfortable, walk just a few feet, and be able to, you know, have, be able to say Yisker. Yep. Um, yep. And there needs to be an environment for, for, for such people without them having to think, is there a backyard minion that's this way or that way far oh, yeah. enough? Yeah, we, we, <laughs> believe me, we know all the options at this point. All right, we, we have a couple of minutes left. Yes, he's with us, and there are two issues I must get to. Number one, you're planning a family fun week starting August 26, which is two weeks from today. It'll go through Labor Day. Explain what that's all about, please. So we have families, if it's the end of summer, people have been either, you know, basically cooped up in their house. Again, a large environment. We have plenty of activities for the kids because previously I was planning an indoor fun park. It's not put together yet, but I bought 17 inflatable, you know, bounce houses. I bought children's fun stuff. And, you know, part of it is already ready to go. And, again, so much space, we're able to put this all out, put this together. Kids and families can come, and they're able to, to be in a safe environment and still have a good time. Whether you're doing boating on the lake or whether you're just doing hiking or just going to the pools, because, you know, the pools are open, and we have certain guidelines of how we do the pools, only 10 people in the pool at one time, but that's what's allowed according to the health department at the moment. Um, and... You know, there's no reason why families have to be constantly stuck inside getting ready for school opening, not opening. They should go away. We are open. We're here. It's not expensive. It's a time to get out and start living your life. Now, final question, and I'm sure you've expected this one throughout this entire conversation. You know that the governor 
of the state of New York is not happy with a lot of things, not happy with the, some bars and restaurants, not happy with uh, with the lack of social distancing for events that aren't uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, he's not happy with summer camps. Obviously, he did not allow the overnight camps to open. Um, that was Pennsylvania's gain for uh uh, for the fact that the Pennsylvania now, now is the home of Camp Missouri for the summer of 2020, and so many other camps are out of New York. Uh, with all that being said, is everything we discussed in this conversation uh, adhering to the directives of the governor of the state of New York? Absolutely. We've had the health department during the course of the summer come here uh, you know, probably a dozen times to the hotel. Um, they've come here. They've walked through the hotel. They've opened every single, we have, I don't know, we have 20 rooms where the group that we had here were doing various um, learning. We have a Hasidic group that was here that was sort of a combination of a bungalow colony and yeshiva, and they're studying in 20 different rooms. And we've gone through with them every single room on many locations. Each time they open the door, it's sort of like, let's see what we're going to find behind door A. Are we going to see violations? Are we going to see people not social distancing? And every time they open the door, they see that this chairs are spread out, the number of people that, that are allowed at a table is exactly what they've told us, and, and each time they, they walk around and they say, wow, you know, everybody is wearing masks, everybody is social um, distancing in, in, in the various rooms, um, and we're just going to keep doing that, and, and I see no reason why we should have any issues. We have a lot of experience with Yossi Zablocki. He's doing a family fun week two weeks from today, August the 26th through Labor Day on 550 beautiful acres, indoor and outdoor play areas, children's play center, Shabbos game room, bounce house and inflatable park, tennis, basketball, volleyball, heated indoor pool, boating, gourmet social distance dining, a base medrash and more. Plus, if you want to speak to him about Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Sukkot, Simchastor, he's more than willing to uh, address those issues as well. Contact us. He's a blocky and his staff at Destinations at the following phone number, 845-794-6000, 845-794-6000. The website, destinations613.com. Destinations, that's plural, 613.com. Yussi, anything else you'd like to add? No, thank you so much for helping us promote these type of uh, events. I really think that it, it's, it's good for everybody, and I, and I know, you're, you, you know you love being part of this. Invite the governor for a circus meal, please. Okay, that's something to work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me. Based on our experience, it's going to take a while before you get any type of response. Thank you, Yossi. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com and the NahumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. <laughs> Sassim Bebo, 
Yaeli Greenfeld with uh, Sois. That's the name of that one. Sovtavar done by Levi Yakov Shweki and Samechim here on a Wednesday morning. He opened up the uh, 8 o'clock hour for us. Good morning, all. 16 minutes after the hour. Our conversation with Steve Adelsberg that we've been trying to have for the last couple of days will likely happen a few minutes from now. I don't want to say for sure, but I think it will. Um... Those of you, like myself, who've been somewhat annoyed with the uh, professional sports fields and courts being used for political statements, Steve Adelsberg reminded me earlier this week that we, meaning as a Jewish community, maybe should be careful what we're criticizing or being irritated about, and I'll explain. I mean, he'll explain. Uh, Hopefully he'll join us about 10 minutes from now here at JM and the AM, if not We'll try for another day. Tomorrow, Nicole Maliotakis in the 7 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Avrami's actually going to start the show tomorrow. I have a yard site from my mother. My mother's fifth yard site, believe it or not, is uh, tonight. So Avrami will start things off tomorrow morning, and I'll be in uh, toward the beginning of the 7 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Uh, tomorrow's also contest day, both at 8 a.m. and noon here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We're going to be giving away some prize. Oh, yes, we'll be giving away a prize. Uh, All courtesy of our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. Go to CasinoFarms.com. They're in Queens. Aaron's West Orange. They're in New Jersey. Go to Aaron'sWestOrange.com. And to check out a great shopping experience. If you're anywhere near West Orange, New Jersey, I don't know what community you're in, but if you're anywhere near, you must check this place out. If you're anywhere near Casino Farms, Casino Boulevard in Queens, New York, you have to check out that shopping experience. Really amazing. And CasinoFarms.com has the circular for this week. If you go to the website, that describes all the amazing specials that they're offering. Hey, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best. Serving the kosher world since 1954. And now the hot dogs are available in all Trader Joe's nationwide. What do you think of that, huh? Pretty cool, huh? Oh, yes. It's cool, all right. Uh, also, save 10% with promo code radio when you go to kosherdogs.net. Kosherdogs.net. Check it out and enjoy that as well. Chaim Yisrael at JM in the AM. Vino tanto, pa' emona 
הזאת ניצק אליו בכל חיינו, זה רק ממנו, מאז ומתמיד ועד עולם. בטוב וגם ברע שלנו, יד ביד איתך הולכים, תשמור בכל שעה כל רגע, תזכור את הילדים. מלך חוזר, מושיע ומגן, מלך שומר
אלוקים תמיד קרוב, ולכולנו מאזין. עדי פה, די לסבור. רק תן חיוך אל העולם, ותדע שעוד לא done by Shuki here at JM in the AM. Before that, Mordechai and David Zimane and Eli Mili. It's Wednesday, JM in the AM. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> I keep saying every single day that it looks like we're going to have this baseball conversation with Steve Adelsberg, and uh, I don't know. Now it does not seem like it's going to happen today. My apologies, especially for you sports fans. We have a really good conversation coming up. When it will happen, I have no idea. JM in the AM Wednesday with... Um, uh, with uh, our, our comments section on the app, go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Listener Judy says, good morning, Nahum. Great music selections today. Please play a Yitzi Spinner song. Ooh, we'll see if we can do that. Kemp Mill, Silver Spring, Maryland. Listener Yitzchak checking in. Pennsylvania, or as Yitz calls it, sunny Pennsylvania. Trucker Yitz checking in. All on the app this morning at JM in the AM and the Nahum Single Network. Also... I saw in one of our emails, um, let's see if I can find this, one of our email, uh, oh, here it is from earlier this morning, listener Ruvain, Ruvain Brick says, good morning, I'm one of the early morning listeners now, working at home, so I started at 6 a.m., the music has been great, keeps me up, great stuff, thank you, Ruvain, for trying our best here to keep everybody going and the spirits is as up as possible here at the JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network as we continue to roll through the morning. Uh, don't forget our friends at Art Scroll have the brand new Danielle Renoff book. It's called Peas, Love, and Carrots. That's the name. It's a brand new cookbook, and my gosh, it's doing real, real well, to say the least. Um, check it out by going to the Art Scroll website, artscroll.com. Feel free to always use promo code radio simply because you never know what it's going to get you. Could be free shipping. It could be uh, some other benefit. You never know. So check it out. Go to artsworld.com. Always use promo code radio. This is JM in the AM.
אני מאמין באמונה שלמה, בביאס המשיח. אני מאמין באמונה שלמה, בביאס המשיח. אני מאמין באמונה שלמה, בביאס המשיח. בביאס המשיח. אני מאמין באמונו של אימו, בביאס המושיח. אני מאמין באמונו של אימו, בביאס המושיח. אני מאמין באמונו של אימו, בביאס המושיח.
J.M. in the A.M. Ace from volume number three. A.B. Rottenberg, Shlomo Simcha and company. Wednesday morning here at J.M. in the A.M. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well... Just as I was giving up on the possibility of speaking with Steve Adelsberg this morning and going through a really, really cool story. You know, one of the reasons we've been so anxious to speak with him is his last appearance on the air brought about not only about a half hour of overtime at JM in the AM. I don't think we're going to be doing that this morning. <laughs> but, uh, but those who really like sports and Judaism, and there are a lot of people in this audience like that, uh, we learned a lot. We had a lot of great conversation about a lot of different obscure things that a lot of people don't know about. And uh, what happened was um, earlier this week when I was – and I'm using a little bit of uh, of story license here, a little bit. Uh, earlier this week – earlier this week when um, – when I was expressing frustration that the sports teams had been using the fields and courts of the major sports to express political positions and express themselves on important issues, important to many, uh, important issues in this world. Um, and I, like many, have been expressing uh, you know, irritability expressing frustration with that practice. Steve Adelsberg said to me, wait, Nahum, wait. I don't think members of our community can be as intolerant of the usage of the fields and courts for political statements as you think they should. Steve Adelsberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nahum. Thank you so much. You like that intro, huh? Very, uh, you're, 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 that's the intro. Very the intro. That's it. Very dramatic. Uh, and here's the story, everybody. And then we'll get into you know what got uh, what got this conversation going. Uh, the story is in 1972. Those of you who don't know, September 1972 at the Olympic Village in Munich, Germany, Palestinian terrorists breached lax perimeter security, broke into two apartments being used by the Israeli Olympic team. They captured held hostage and eventually killed 11 athletes and coaches in what came to be known as the Black September attack, for many known as the Munich Massacre. Now this, for those of you who weren't around in 1972, um, th this was a, a major blow to the collective Jewish heart. I mean, and, and the truth is, to athletes around the world and to many, to many peace-loving people around the world, it was an unbelievable episode uh, that just... Um, completely shattered the notion that the Olympics or any gathering of of peace, uh, you know, um, peaceful competition, etc., you know, can go on without without any problems. And uh, the massacre was uh, something that has left a, uh, a major, major imprint on the Jewish world and certainly the state of Israel since then. So Steve Adelsberg tells me that there were, and of course I remember this as a kid, there were Jewish athletes 
on the Oakland Athletics, right? This was happening in the middle of the 1972 season. Two really, really well-known athletes on the Oakland Athletics who were known for their Judaism. Mike Epstein, who was really known for his Judaism, and Ken Holtzman, who to an extent was known as a uh, you know pretty uh, important or, or, or noteworthy member, I should say, of the Jewish community. So, Steve, they wanted to uh, they wanted to they wanted to express themselves in the aftermath of the attack in September of 1972. And you asked me a trivia question, and we'll get to the answer eventually. Let's not give it away. Yes, yet you you asked me. Uh, you said in addition to these guys, and we understand why Epstein and Holtzman would you know express themselves about the Munich massacre. Uh, in addition to them, another one of their teammates. Uh, also donned a black armband in memory of the 11 athletes and coaches of Israel that were murdered on that September day. So first of all, Steve, I do owe a lot of people an apology, as you pointed out to me. Um, I am getting somewhat frustrated with the basketball courts of the NBA, with the fields of the NFL eventually, and the and certainly the fields of Major League Baseball being used for uh, political statements and political action. Uh, you might suggest that if we know our history, Nahum Siegel, and we go back and we go back to the early seventies, we as a community got to be very careful criticizing this. When in nineteen seventy two, athletes, Jewish athletes, went ahead and utilized the Major League Baseball field to make a statement of memorial and defiance in memory of the eleven athletes and coaches. So do you want to ch- do you want to chide me now on the air in front of everybody that I need to be a little bit more tolerant? What do you want to say? I want to tell you, like, if you remember back in '72, who was the head of the Olympic International Olympic Committee? Was a guy named not our friend Avery Brundage. Right, Avery Brundage, who in 1936 embraced Nazism and right. had the Olympics in Berlin in 19 those famous 1936 Jesse Owens Olympics right. where Marty Glickman the great announcer was taken off right. the Olympic relay team because he was Jewish and they put in Jesse Owens and Jesse Owens won his fourth gold medal and so, Hit- and, Hitler, anyways, and Hitler was not happy with that he was not a happy camper he wasn't exactly happy with Jesse Owens either by no, the way No I'm saying when, wrong. when Owens won he was not happy a black man won he was not happy he, But you know who replaced who replaced Marty Glickman? It was Jesse Owens who replaced him? No, no. It was Mac Robinson. Oh, wow. Jackie Robinson's brother. No way. How do you, 100%. How do you look at him. Jackie how do you, Robinson's brother replaced I, Marty Glickman. You know, I, I thought, I honestly thought, and I made a point of this when I had the the honor of inducting Dave Kufeld in the YU Hall of Fame. I made a point of this. I, I thought I knew every ounce of of Jewish sports trivia there is to know. And every time you come on, you tell us something. That was Jackie Robinson's brother who replaced Marty Glickman at the 36 Olympics? Look it up. It surely was. Unbelievable. And and, and the thing was, that was like, you know, with Avery Brundage, the next day when they had him, they, they, they made a very big concession, the Olympics, that they the next day they suspended all Games, all activity. Correct. Me- 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 meaning the day after the nighttime massacre because they were all murdered at night. Correct. Exactly. So then they had this day off. Avery Brundage and like most of the athletes did not attend the memorial. There was pictures of them sunbathing in their Olympic village. Right. And it was like a non-event. And I remember when Avery Brundage, at that time, if you remember, the African nations boycotted the Olympics. Right. 
and he equated the African boycott with the murder of eleven Israeli athletes. Right. I mean, and, and the and the call and the call was, of course, for the Olympics to be suspended longer, or maybe, or maybe permanently right. for that year. Uh, that obviously did not happen. Uh, but and remember, but in who general, is the American Jew, who is the American Jew who is the hero of those Olympics? Yeah, Mark, and they got him out of Germany. One, two, three. The first. Oh, they, I, they, they, oh, oh, one second, one second. I know that it's hard to argue with you because you know all this stuff. I believe that Mark Spitz was already back in the U.S. when it happened. It was Mark Spitz. They sent them back right away after it happened. No, no, is, no. I believe. Okay. I, I, I mean, again, you may be right because I, when it comes to this, I usually be. I'm very careful with you because I know you likely are right. But I think the story was that the the swimming events. Happened really first, quickly toward the beginning, and right, that he, and that he, and that, first. And that he was in California already when he heard about the attack. I believe now because it's you, I'm really going to check that out. Frankly, <laughs> yeah, I, I, check it out. I, I don't trust myself when it comes to you. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so this all happens: the eleven athletes and coaches, suspension of the Olympics. It never happens. I think the famous quote was something like "The games must go on" or something, right? Didn't he say that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody. He, He's, the games have to go on, right? Somewhere. And and like you know, it was it really. I remember the announcer at the time for ABC was ABC was on ABC Keith was the great Jim McKay. Oh, Jim McKay. Jim McKay. Right. He makes the announcement saying, "Oh my God! Oh my God! We have terrible, terrible news." Because you remember the first announcement was that the right. athletes were rescued, right? And then came on the tarmac. The terrible right. news. Terrible right. news. Every and I think he said everyone is dead. I believe that's what he said, right? Right. They all it was like All right. So now we got to get back to this. Steve Adelsberg's with us. So Holtzman and um uh, Holtzman and uh I'm just looking right now to see if I can find this thing on Spitz cuz it's driving me nuts. Holtzman um Yeah, I can't see it this second. Holtzman and Epstein obviously uh are, you know, a a certain type of uh prideful Jews and I must say Holtzman was no Epstein was known as the uh, kosher Lou Gehrig by one writer, Mickey Mantle bred on blintzes and gefiltevish by another. Holtzman was not as it all. I mean, Epstein claims they actually put on tefillin in 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 a, in a variety of cities around the United States in the early seventies. They, they used to call it Epstein. He was from the Bronx. They used to call him Super Jew. Super Jew, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't get insulted. We didn't get insulted. Yeah, in, in those days, people tended not to be insulted. At the ballpark, the day after the uh, the uh, the day after, and I'm reading from the article, the, the Deadspin article. Uh, at the ballpark, the day after the massacre, Epstein and Holtzman arrived and find black. This is the Oakland A's of 1972, folks. Charlie Finley to find black strips of fabric already attached to the uniform jerseys. Unbelievable. And then they learned. That they had a partner, and this is why Steve Adelsberg asked me via WhatsApp earlier this week, who was the third member of the Oakland A's who wore the black armband in memory of the Israelis. And I, thinking that, oh my gosh, it's got to be a high-profile guy, otherwise it wouldn't be a big deal, otherwise Steve wouldn't be asking me the trivia question. So I guess Reggie Jackson, and you tell me that Mr. October himself, who, by the way, was at the top of the baseball world in 1972, he joined them in wearing a black armband. 100% right. That was the man. Unbelievable. Reggie Jackson. And, they, and every time I go on. No, Epstein said that Reggie had no business putting it on. 
Um, he said he had issues with Jackson, which culminated with Reggie's famous no Jews in Texas comment that led to a fist fight in the month of May of 72. But Jackson, to his credit, went ahead. And again, like, you know, I keep talking about using the field for political statements. He used the field for a statement that day. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone has the same reaction. When I tell them it was Reggie Jackson, they take a step back and they go, whoa, that's good. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And you said that, and, and you said that Reggie. I mean, his his uh, his father had had some connection, knowledge. I mean, we we've discussed this, you and I, off yeah. the air about Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. That there is a you right. know, one of the reasons he he we we have to assume that one of the reasons he's so close with the Jewish community is because of the interactions he and his parents had with Jews. And of course, that's always the case. You dig deep and you find out that that's the story. That's what happened. You you told me that Reggie's father also had a an affinity, in, in a way, toward the Jewish community. That, I don't remember as much, but I, I remember well, the two stories I told you about Kareem was very, I mean, Kareem was just flirting at this point where he converted to, uh, to be a Muslim. Right. And he says, in a quote, thank God for the Jews of Milwaukee, because I could eat meat. He, he said that when he was in Milwaukee. And then I remember one time he was playing the Knicks, and you got to remember, you know, the, the sad thing about Kareem was he was a New York boy. Yep. He was a New York guy. Yep. Power Memorial. Power Memorial. Yep. His, his, it, was, it was down to UCLA and Holy Cross on the east, up in Boston. Those are schools he was going to go to. But, you know, he picks UCLA. But he was, a, he was a New York boy, but he became a villain because he went up against our beloved Knicks of 69-70. And he was the, he was the villain. And they used to say and it, was, it was the championship. It was the Eastern Conference. They just beat the Baltimore Bullets, now the Washington uh, Washington Wizards, but they beat the Bullets, and they're playing, and now comes Lou Alcindor, and he's standing in the middle of our championship. And they serenaded him to a goodbye, Louis, and they and it was and we beat them four games to one, and he was always never really loved in New York after that. But the fact is, I remember him walking into Delhi City. Remember, Delhi City was across the street from Madison Square Garden. <laughs> right. And he wanted to go in there because he wanted a kosher sandwich. And the whole place starts going, Lou, Lou, Lou. And he just, he just took off. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. So, but Reggie's father, I, you got to tell me Oh, oh and, I, and I apologize. It wasn't you who told me about Reggie's father. It was Ken Holtzman. Holtzman, Ken Holtzman. Holtzman right, wrote, Mr. Jackson... Uh, here he says uh, Henry, who like his father before him, dealt in the industrial machinery. Sat next to Martinez Jackson while watching several of their sons' games, and the two became very friendly. Meaning Holtzman's father and and Reggie's father. Mister Jackson knew some Hebrew and Yiddish oh. words because he had a large Jewish clientele. So Reggie must have been exposed to that. Said Holtzman, he had contact with Jewish people growing up. Was not entirely unaware of Jewish cultural characteristics. So when I saw Reggie with that armband, I felt he was understanding what me and Mike were going through. He didn't have anything to do with being Jewish, but felt it was appropriate to show solidarity not only with teammates but with the fact that. Athletes were getting killed. Um, <clears throat> now, it's funny because my brother, I, I checked with my brother. I said, you ever hear this story? And he said, I never heard this, but I bet you Reggie just did it for the attention, you know. And and Holtzman writes, Reggie's often accused by other players of grandstanding, of, showbo of showboating, of trying to be the center of attention. Call it whatever you want, but Reggie's a lot deeper than that, a lot deeper than that. And that's interesting. You know, those who would think he was doing it for the publicity, which, of course, is not beyond the, the capability of of Reggie Jackson, Holtzman says, no, you don't realize he's a deeper person than that, and he really meant it. Right, right. It's, it's, 
And of course, we all raised our eyebrows in appreciation. That's yeah. I could say. And of course, you're 100 percent right. Uh, based on the research we did quickly here, Mark Spitz had finished his competition, but he was on the ground in Munich when the massacre happened, and he ended up being flown home as soon as possible. So, Steve Adelsberg, again, again, you have proven that when you say when you say something, we've got to believe it. I still can't get over the Jackie Robinson brother thing. I got to look into that. That's just unbelievable. Now, I got. Now I got to tell you, my father, I love a show. Him. If he was alive, he would say one comment. Yeah, if he you, only you knew his Gamora your, like you, he knew his sport. If you knew your Gamora, only knew his Gamora like he knew his sport. If you knew, if you knew the location of the Tanaim and Amorayim the way you know the location of Mark Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, right. What can I tell you? Oh, he would he would follow that up with an eye. He would follow it up with an eye. <laughs> yeah, give me an eye. It would be tough an eye there. It would be an eye. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, is right. Uh, anyway, anyway, I hope that, oh, by the way, you know, the, um, as you know, the, uh, this season is a very, very strange one. Not only do we have the politics that I described earlier, but there are no fans in the stands and it's, right. and it's funny. And I'll tell you why it's funny because especially on the weekend when I'm looking at the Sunday schedule in my head. I'm saying to myself, oh, can I go to this game forgetting that nobody's, that nobody's allowed to go to I'm wondering if you're suffering the same thing that I am. You know, you sit here, and for like three months, we have no sports events. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I get a thing, 12 o'clock, the Nets are playing the Orlando yeah. Magic this afternoon. You, know, you never know when they're going to play at this point. They're playing all day and all night, it seems. You got, you got, you got hockey, you got all these things, and like, you know, hey, Listen, it's a it's a different world we're in now, and we have to go with it. We go with it. Bottom line: if we care about the uh, if we care about the political statements that Mike Epstein and Ken Holtzman are allowed to make, then we as a community, according to Steve Adelsberg, have to be a little bit more tolerant of athletes today are taking up causes on the courts and fields, even if we are uncomfortable with some of those causes. Is that how you would put it, Steve? That's right. I have to say. I remember, I remember how John Carlos and Tommy Smith, that's right, in 1968, yep. uh, they got, they got really just massacred on that. John yep. Carlos, I think, it ruins his career. Correct. You know, they, they, they wanted to make a statement. Yep. And here, and and here, we're saying, hey, we're saying to the world, are the Olympics that important? They had to go on. Yep. Eleven athletes were killed. No one even cared. So it's like you know, we have to be sometimes a little tolerant and know put off put ourselves in their shoes. By the way. By the way, I, I got to make one. La- I'm sorry for interrupting, but I'm, I'm concerned. No. I'm, I'm concerned about overtime again, which I can't do today. Um, one of the things Holtzman writes about, and I think it's really, and we always talk about community. I mean, this show, as far as we're concerned, is community. It's people getting together, you know, every day, especially in times of crisis. And that's, you know, unfortunately, one of the reasons that our ratings are so much higher when there are crises and, and bombs and explosions and, and and Jews in peril. Holtzman writes, I think it's him, unless it was Epstein. One of them writes. That we were looking for each other, we just we wanted we we wanted nothing more than just to spend time with each other. We'd take a walk together after hearing the news out of Munich, and I thought that's so poignant, that's so amazing. Right. When it comes, look, right. look, we we'd like it to be, and it often is for good times as well. Thank God we celebrate a lot of good times together. But in terms of in t- times of tragedy, when the collective Jewish heart is in pain, all we do is try to reach out to others who are like us, and the two of them did that. The morning after the massacre in Munich, hundred percent, hundred percent. I have to say, Nachum, I have to give a shout out to my good friend Lenny Kramer, who his this was his question. We argue about this stuff all along, but uh, 
you know, it was a, it, it was a very, very, made us all stop and think. But as you said, it's 100% right. You're 100% right. Is that when, we, when Jews get, we feel each other as brothers. And that, when that happens, there's no, there's, there's no reform, conservative, black hat, white hat. As I think Ray, Ray, uh, Rabbi Mayer's lot of it, the love of Shalom, once said to me, when a bomb goes off, a terrorist bomb, it doesn't ask who's who. It just goes off. No question about it. That's it. No question about it. The collective Jewish heart, uh, it, it is one incredible beating, loving, and incredibly uh, um, a caring uh, um, apparatus. Let's put it that way, if we could use that word for something that's so abstract. The collective Jewish heart. Steve Adelsberg, thank you for bringing all these important things to our attention. We look forward, <laughs> we, we look forward already to our next uh, installment of these conversations. Think of some good ones. Okay, my friend. To you and your audience, have a safe day. All the best. There he is, Steve Adelsberg. 72 Olympics. Many of you are familiar. I mean, the younger people. Many of you have read about the uh, Munich Massacre. Ken Holtzman, Mike Epstein. Who was the third Oakland A to wear an armband in memory of the Israelis? Who was the third to get out there on the field and make that statement? Statement of love and statement of defiance and statement of memorial. Who did it? The answer, Reginald Martinez Jackson, Mr. October. Next time you see him, because a lot of people see him hanging around Yankee Stadium and sometimes down in Florida, remind him about that and how much it was appreciated. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday at JM and the AM. Tomorrow, Nicole Maliatakis will join us. New York State Assemblywoman, one-time candidate for mayor. She'll be with us in the 7 o'clock hour. Friday, don't forget, it is the uh, weekly update. We'll talk about Kamala Harris and uh, and the, being the, the fact that she's the choice of Joe Biden, etc., etc., etc. Make sure to join us. Have a Fabulous Wednesday. Also, tomorrow is contest day brought to you by Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange. Tomorrow at 8 a.m. and 12 noon on the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.